Hello, you're listening to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! Boom, boom, boom! <laughs> I'm not going to sing. I apologise. Hello. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Uh, I am the first talking head, Richard. Hello. The other talking heads in the safe space is uh, Jamie. You may find yourself doing a podcast We're not in a <laughs> giant suit. In a shotgun shack, surely. That's where we are. What's a shotgun shack, anyway? You just made it up, Bridge. Is that not the lyric? You may find yourself... <laughs> I did tonight. <laughs> the love shack is a little known place where you keep your shotgun. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, our train's excellent. Um, uh, and the other talking head is Anthony. Hello. Yes. I'm not that well-versed in talking head songs to make a joke, so... Hi. Neither am I. I hope riches. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, sadly, we don't have Abby with us, because she just didn't watch the film. She just got distracted with her day when she was supposed to watch it, and went, Oh, fuck, I... Oh, I'm supposed to... Oh, there's no time. And it feels like, is this just an excuse because you don't like David Byrne? And the truth is, I, I don't think she like has a big stake in David Byrne one way or the other. But uh, she she could have, you know, perhaps... Uh, I think she probably knows the music more than the rest of us. Right, okay, let's... Quick, so you guys are saying, I've never heard any Talking Heads before. No, I'm not saying no. that. I'm just... There's about there was about four songs that I was familiar with, and, and that's that's about it. Well, luckily, I have listened to their greatest hits more than once, so I am well <laughs> equipped to tackle this week's film that I selected. Um, I guess that film that we are here to discuss is "Stop Making Sense." For fuck's sake, you keep making sense. Stop making sense. Um, I don't think it was a veiled threat. I think it's about whimsy and uh, randomness, but still. The film Stop Making Sense is from 1984, and it was directed by Jonathan Demi. Is that how you say his name? Demi, I think. Jonathan Demi. And it was written by him, technically, and the, the Talking Heads, the, the pop group. Uh, and the thing is, it's not got a conventional plot, because it's the first concert film we've done, because that's got a weird genre. Uh, it's not quite like discussing a musical which we've done before. This is literally a filmed concert, but I felt like in this case it, it is more of a film than just we filmed fucking Ozzy Osbourne or someone live and this is what it is. It's not like the live concert of a thing. It's a little bit more special and more of a film than that. I, th- I feel like. And uh, I thought it'd be nice for us to tackle a a new genre on the podcast because we've dealt with so many different uh, types of films. So that was my motivation. I thought, oh, if we're going to do it, we should probably pick a fucking good one because it'll be really hard to talk about it if it's just some band none of us like and it's shit and it's it's like they played music, you know. Is uh, is this one... Like, I wonder, because I've heard of this before, is this the one that made... Concert movies a thing where you I take be- different 
knights on a tour and stitched them together to make like essentially like the ultimate experience out of the the show. I don't know that it was like the first of anything, but it's a highly regarded uh, concept movie. I think people, even some critics, tout it as the best ever concert film, you know, which is quite high praise considering uh, you kind of have to like the band no matter what. So, I mean, I hear that Alice Cooper is someone who does quite uh, out there live shows. Um, so, I'm, uh, there must be plenty. Yeah, not familiar with that. Yeah, I, I haven't like, watched any, but he, like, does incredible Halloween and, like, you know. He usually gets, yeah, he usually in some way gets beheaded or executed at the end of each show. Yeah, it's a proper, um, he's one of those people, though, that I'd, his reputation is such, I'd heard, if there's anyone whose concert you want to fucking see, it's Alice Cooper, and then I was like. Essentially, yeah. um, I think almost all of his albums would then translate as a sort of mini-musical that he, that would like yeah. follow a particular character, story, theme, and the, the songs would like tell the story as part of the the live show. Yeah. And and this film wasn't quite as elaborate as that, but I um you know it's it's highly it's highly regarded. It's from nineteen eighty four, so uh it, it was probably a trendsetter in like how to record uh I guess concerts to, you know, sell I guess as merch or just as, you know, because this is I I not I don't know a whole lot. So this is the this is the thing, guys. You guys are only casual talking heads fans if you're fans at all. And I am a fan of theirs, but by no means a diehard and I have I don't have like a wealth of context. I just know a casual bit about it and have watched it and I and when I watched it the first time I was like, "Oh, this is bloody good." This is like cuz normally they're just the band plays and it's either it, it like the success or failure of it is how much you enjoy the band and whether you give a shit about watching because some people can't enjoy a live concert if it's filmed because it's like well I'm not there I could kind of turn it off I'd rather just listen to the album I'm I that's that's sort of me yeah and I I can I can kind of understand that it, it you know it's a bit easier to you know, it's not you know you're not standing there with a beer or like you can't just piss off to the merch stand or have a, I mean you can literally just stop and do whatever you like and you, the attention has to be there so it this could be a bit it, I was also like oh will it work as just a movie and I as I was watching it I was like god it's really compelling like visually and musically obviously and like it, it's like the show changes and ebbs and flows and has a lot and then as it kept going I was like that's weird and this is interesting. And I like that, and that, oh, oh, fucking hell. I, I thought I did interesting things kept well, my, and kept my attention, so I thought I'd uh, put it to you guys. A lot of it, I think, is who the, you know, band is or who the performer is. Like, David Byrne is, a, is very uh, interesting to watch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, I mean he's a beloved uh, musician and music genius, if you are a fan of that sort of thing. I mean, so I, I'll say I'm a, I'm a big fan of alternative music, but I'm a very casual fan of music because I don't dig deeply into people's lives and I don't listen to every album all the way through and really I, delve in. I feel attacked already. Oh, no, 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 I'm saying... like, But, you, you're, but you're not that of, uh, of the talking heads. You're that of, like, you know, well, stupid grunge bands. No, I'm like it of everyone. Even if I, 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 it's my like. 
I am broad, broadly speaking pop culture nerd of like the most disgusting degree. Like I will have a passing experience with some kind of like musician or actor or celebrity and will go and look up everything about their life because I'm interested. Jesus Christ. I mean, like, I, mean I, I saw Bob Geldof in real life in an art museum, but I then didn't go and obsess about him and deep well, dive into the Boomtown Rats. Like, I don't know if I'd do that, because he's kind of a dick. But um, <laughs> Live Aid. Like, fucking, he, he saved Africa one, one dollar at a time. Yeah, he did. He solved every single problem. He swore on TV. ever had. He swore. He swore on TV <laughs> like, and made loads of pop celebrities you know, do a will, song. Like, if I if I hear a voice actor that I vaguely recognise their voice in some an- annoying uh, cartoon that my two year old is watching, I will look the cartoon up on IMDb to see who that is, and then look at their like, uh, you know, filmography or whatever to see where I know their voice from and what else they've been in. For no re- it's not information that will ever do me any good in any situation. But my head is full of it. And it's... I, I don't know why <laughs> I'm like this. But, like, so... You know, whenever I was watching this, I, at the same time, was just looking stuff up about David Byrne. Like, what music did he like? What inspired him? Who did he go on to inspire? Um, and it, it's and all the like aspects of what this concert film means and what their music, you know, means who it, like the kind of impact it had. So well, like, that can... kind of stuff is interesting to me, and I do that with every like band and musician or whoever that I like, or that I encounter and <laughs> don't particularly like. Well. Your own, uh, you know, therapy session might be required, but um, I yeah, no, I appreciate personality particularly. So I just absorb other people as much uh, as I can. Well, maybe you can help by littering titbits as we go through this. Uh, well, I've got loads. Good, good. We'll see, we'll see what comes up. Uh, Anthony, are you a big concert movie fan? Are you a Talking Heads fan? Had you seen this? What's your thoughts? Uh, I think I'm kind of in the same place as Jamie, where I've seen I've seen lots, but usually they're the ones I've like sought out because I really like the band or the singer. Hmm. Um, but a lot of the times it loses something from it not being live. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't quite translate um, to just watching it on TV. Like you don't quite get. Like the atmosphere, you know, with the crowd, yeah, and stuff like that. And sometimes it just doesn't sound right, like it would if you were there. Yeah, some live you know albums I, mean? I can't listen to because it's like, oh, shut the fucking crowd up when you hear it properly. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you can't be like, oh, you know, they're enjoying themselves, and we can't edit them out of the live recording. Um, and I was, I was a little apprehensive coming into this, just because I, I do, you know, I, I'm not that familiar with the talking heads but of the stuff that i know i really like um and uh i was just a little bit worried like because i didn't know how much could be in there to talk about you know what i mean yeah it's it's, yeah i've seen plenty of like concert stuff and like you said most of it is just 
they come on stage and they perform. Hmm. I, I do feel like this provided more than that. Yeah, you know, we'll see. We'll get talking about it and we'll see if it was like a mistake to try and review a concert film. Uh, I think it's going to be alright. There's loads of uh, grey baggy suits to talk about. Um, so, let's say then that the film started a very minimalistic way with uh I think it's I think it's set uh filmed in Los Angeles. Uh I can't remember the name of the concert venue uh off the top of my head. But essentially it was filmed over different nights and they compiled the kind of best of it's kind of the best of towards the end of the Talking Heads' music career, like a big Hooray, let's celebrate our music by putting on like a several concerts and then trying to make a proper film out of it. Uh, yeah, so but it starts minimally with David Byrne in his little um, daps, in his little white daps and his baggy grey suit. Not the baggiest of the grey suits, the normal baggy grey suit. He wanders out with a boombox and he just sort of announces, um, I want to play a song. <laughs> and then he presses the thing on and a little uh, digital drum beat starts up and then uh, he, he kind of kicks into gear, doesn't he, with... Um, the first song. What did people make of this as a starting point? I liked. I did like the like the original shot, where it's kind of like following his feet, walking onto stage, and the shadows, and then and... yeah, and then he like puts the boombox down, and then it kind of pans up, and you see he's got a guitar as well, and then he's singing, and that felt very, very you know, filmic hmm. to me. Yeah. It, um, um, I like the escalation. Like once the once the whole thing was finished, like the idea that it starts out with just him in a boombox, mm. and then more and more people join him f- throughout the show until it becomes this huge thing. Yeah, I like that. That was the first thing. It was like it wasn't just hi, good, hello, Los Angeles. It was like none of that. It was David Byrne being. Like a little bit odd, and just being like, like as if, like he, as if he just rocked up. Like oh, I thought, I'd just, just pop the. I just felt like, felt like doing a little song, guys. Is that all right? Yes, yeah. we all fucking paid and came here. <laughs> Please fucking play. And then it was quite. Do you know what? Um, what was uh, funny is that when it started, I thought, oh, he's his clothes are quite baggy, which <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, later on. <laughs> Oh, you have yeah. I mean, the poster is a slight giveaway that there's some sort of avant-garde uh, picture of a man dashing across a space in a suit, or just a close-up on a man dancing in an odd suit. And yeah, yeah, very much. This is this is some big suit energy with this uh, this production. <laughs> but yeah, you think yeah, he's, he's sort of swimming in that suit, and he's like, yeah, he's drowning in the next one. Fair play to him. <laughs> um. Yeah, like the I like the kind of lo-fi digital like music that's playing, and then it builds. Um, David Byrne basically was he plays uh, Psycho Killer, right? That's the first one. Mm. Yeah, and that's like one of their biggest hits, and he's on his own. The rest of the band aren't there yet, and it's just him rocking out on the guitar, and uh, and then as it as it goes on, his kind of this is the thing with David Byrne and, and his performance, at least in the Talking Heads, anyway, is he's got quite jittery. Ma- uh, unusual body movements he does is almost like an eccentric rhythm and a weird like silliness to him and he and he does start to like 
fall about intentionally and like the stage crew start coming on and moving stuff behind him and he's just sort of like dancing on his own and falling over and like is this guy all right is he is he about to have an epileptic fit no this so, is this is uh avant-garde behavior good job um my the first time i actually saw david byrne as a like as a real person giving a performance was actually really recently um, I knew, like I, I vaguely knew Talking Heads, and I knew you know a couple of their songs without realizing who they were, and I'd heard the name David Burton. Yeah. Um, but there's been a, there's a weird confluence of events that have happened in the lead up to you uh, proposing this pick, which is weird because like now I'm realizing I don't think you actually did it on purpose. It's no. just a series of coincidences. He uh, recently um, appeared on Saturday Night Live as their musical guest, hmm. um, and he he did he did a bunch of songs, obviously because they usually do a few. But he did um, Once in a Lifetime, um, and he came on like they introduced him. He came on, and the song started. I was like David Byrne. Why do I know that name? And this you know old white guy who looks vague, kind of like a, a gangly version of Adam West, mm. um, started doing this, like, talk, talk shout that he does mm. of the, um, like, the verses. And then he started doing, like, the stumbling around, and it, and it became this, you know, bizarre life performance. And I was watching it like, what is, A, what is this? B, this is fucking great. What is, <laughs> yeah. Like... Um, and that was my first exposure, was this old man stumbling around, sort of half-shouting this <laughs> really, really 80s-sounding song that I vaguely recognised. So I went and kind of dug around and or like looked on Spotify and stuff to, to explore it a little bit more. But, um, and, and again, also by sheer coincidence, um, a few months ago... Uh, Pearl Jam released a new album and their first single was very heavily like Talking Heads inspired Mm. Um, and it was like it was really divisive with fans because you know you always have fans of any band who are like well everything should sound like your first album where like where's the guitar solos like um, but it's a it's a great song and it has that like the like short little tight drum beats that a lot of the talking head stuff has um and again because people were talking about how that song sounds very like david burney um that's a different person david burney was it (laughs) is in weekend at birdies three and is the the son of we have burney who gets killed but um yeah, it's weird. It it seems like it's it's at this point it seems like fate is trying to force my attention onto David Byrne for some reason. Well, I think he is a prolific man and he's had his uh fingers in many music music related pies. So uh, but but at the same time I still am fairly ignorant myself. I know associations of his. I know kind of vague stuff. But it's I think this for me is like a starting point. Like I mean I know, I know some of the Talking Heads greatest hits, but this is like a, actually I should probably get into David Byrne and this is a good starting point because it's like them at their peak I think unless their peaks have happened like less more has happened I don't know about but um yeah it, he's uh, upon first 
experiencing the burn. It's it's like what the <laughs> you if you the... if you weren't there the I mean I wasn't born when this was recorded yet. I had still still to be conceived. Uh my mum and dad were still at the courting relationship of their uh, of of my you know existence. But anyway, um I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about that for. Um <laughs> The point is, he upon first coming across the Talking Heads and him, it's quite, it is quite like eye-opening. If you, especially if you're young, like is often the case when you come across, uh, or not really. I mean, pe- people go back to anyway. When you when you're exploring music and you come across it, you're like, what the fuck is this? And I kind of love it. And um, yeah, for me, David Byrne has always been about like the music video that was really big was for. Uh, you just said it. No, uh, uh, once in a lifetime. Once in a lifetime. There's so many fucking weird lyrics in that. I can never remember the title. But once in a lifetime, and he's like wearing his uh, kind of fifties style glasses, and he's in a suit, and he's looking like a gangly, sweaty man. And he does. And the music video is like famous, where he's like popping up and down. It's like a shit water background, and he's like, he's sort of just. It's like a man in a business suit is dicking around and it doesn't seem right. And it's like, the first time I saw it, I was like, this is the fucking best. I love this. <laughs> it's so weird and you... sort of... And he's doing his little chops and his gestures and his other dance moves. It's great. The 80s was, uh, you know, the, especially the late 70s and into the early 80s, there were so many musicians who emerged, like singers who emerged on a mix of like alcohol and cocaine and a had either been around for a while but really hit it big when they realized the more drugs they did and the more bizarre they acted the better they were hmm. um like so you had you know david Byrne stumbling around the place he puts me like he's very similar to like there's a little bit of david bowie yeah i think they the they were they were colleagues and stuff as well i don't know yeah, i fucking stand also, in, it's, yeah it's interesting that like you know Bowie had been around for a while at this point and was you know he for was obviously in the glam rock scene and then started to transition into more kind of synthy 80s stuff yeah. um but the later Bowie stuff seems to then take from David Byrne like there's an interesting feedback loop going on of influence maybe so uh, Anthony, when, when did, did you first come across, uh, like I did, the, the, this band through music videos or what? Where was your first David Byrne experience? Um, I was just thinking about this and um, I just remembered something about uh, first seeing the name David Byrne. Uh, do you guys remember when you had, um, when you had like a new computer and it had Windows XP on it? All right, yeah. Uh, and it always came with like a free sample song. Yeah, uh, I remember yeah. it was um, it was David Byrne something about humans. It had the it had the it had the name humans in it, but I always remember it being there and me like <laughs> never listening to it. Yeah. This makes a really this rings a bell, and I can't put. Is it like uh. humans do? Yes. Yeah, that's that, that's it. I was just going to look it up. Um, I can't remember the song, but I always remember the name David Byrne always being there. Because I was always like, "What is this? I didn't download this. Why is this here?" Yeah, it's um, a hell of, it's a lot the... better than you two turning up for free, though, isn't it? Oh God, in your fucking <laughs> iPod. Fuck off. 
I, I, I must have listened to it at some point. I don't quite remember it now. I'm sure if I heard it, I'd, I'd be like, yes, that. Yeah. Um, but other than that, uh, there was a song, Lazy, that he was... Oh, he yeah, he, yeah, the guy with the... He won't leave his couch and there's a, Mar, a, Snicks or a, Mars bar, a Snickers or a Mars bar. And he's, that's a really good song, actually, yeah. Yeah, so that was... Like that. Yeah, but at that point, I didn't connect the name David Byrne to the Talking Heads. And I I think I was probably um, aware of the Talking Heads. Like you said, the the music video to... um... Yeah, they... (laughs) River flowing (laughs) underground. Can't remember the fucking song. (laughs) Once in a lifetime. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I remember watching that and being, like, fascinated by how weird it was. It was almost like a meme or like, it was the video, even though it was before YouTube culture, it was like a, a sort of weird, who's this nerd who's put out this weird music video song? It was like one of those like uh, v- v- videos that goes viral type thing, but it was just on MTV amongst everything it's like, else. It's like George McFly in a music video. It does look a bit like that, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't know that that was a persona of David Byrne either. I assumed he just that was the singer all the time. Just... Yeah, yeah, like it, it's like the David Bowie thing, <laughs> like um, yeah. or Tom Waits is another one too, like someone who embodies different characters as they perform, and like does it in the in this weird sort of jittery, like nervous energy type way. Yeah. Um, the eight, but the eighties did seem to be like the decade for like nerds to also be front men and just act really weird and do shit dances but that are kind of entertaining like yeah because um, it's a it's a bunch of it's a bunch of dudes who know how to like operate keyboards that have become computers and yeah. so it, it the suddenly the white nerdy av club kids are having fun and being kind of post-punk uh you know heroes colin hayes another one too from men at work Mm. Gawky, nerdy, jolty. Yeah, funny, funny-looking, weird guy who is like oddly charismatic in a way you can't quite put your finger on. Yeah. Anyway, but back to uh, stop making sense. Uh, you know, we get this uh, fairly unique t- uh, version of Psycho Killer, which is one of their big hits, I'd say. A really good song as well. Like, I mean, anyone who hasn't heard it. And is listening to this. I mean, are you alright? Like, anyway, um, but like, it's a really good. It was. It was nice to see it. Like, it was. I like. Why not? If you got the album with the original version, or you can watch the music video for the original version. Why not? Uh, when you do the live one, get a different uh, take on it. So I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed that, and it builds up to a crescendo, and we get we set up this conceit that is happening through at least. I mean, kind of the whole piece, but like the very first, it's kind of in thirds, I'd say, this concert. And the first third is very much, who are these men in black in the background? Like we, we see the raw, undecorated stage in Los Angeles, and then people in like, you know, the uh, roadies bring on, like the, the crew bring on various instruments and platforms one by one, don't they? And so the first one comes out, and then after the, the first song, uh, David Byrne is joined by the female bassist of the Talking Heads. And I'm going to remember her name by clicking and reading it and not remembering. I want to say Tiffany something. No, Tina. <laughs> Tina comes on and joins him for the next song, isn't it? She, They like do just the two of them play the next song. So it's like they're building the band and the set as the thing goes out. And so they do 
uh, it's not a duet because it's like just a track, but like um, or a performance. But uh, you start to realise that the band are all going to be wearing sloppy grey clothes of some variety, and she's essentially in like a, a grey sack that's slightly tailored. And you're like, oh, the eighties wasn't all Duran Duran and George Michael then, was it? Yeah. What do you what do you what do you guys make of uh, this building the set? I, mean, I guess I should say they also then the, after that song they bring on more like the drums come on and we get the uh, we get the drummer and he joins them. The song and as each song happens, another mem- member of the band, the Talking Heads, has, has joined them and they're all wearing just disgusting, sloppy, saggy, schlubby clothes, uh, usually in fish- versions of grey. My favorite outfit of the whole show is the drummer's polo shirt tucked into <laughs> jeans. Like like everyone else went with the 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 theme and he was just like, No, fuck off. I'm just gonna dress in my typical eighties smart casual outfit. Yeah, I think uh I think also, uh Chris, whatever his name is, France or something uh, he was the only one wearing like a coloured polo shirt. Everyone else was like baggy. Uh, I mean, after a while, you go, oh, so all the people are coming on. Even the people who are like joining the Talking Heads for this big special are wearing essentially like track clothes. And you go, oh, it's because you're going to be literally dro- jo- <clears throat> It's because you're going to be literally jogging on the spot for some of this, and you're just gonna. You need to be casually dressed because you know you can't tart yourselves up if you're going to sweat this much. But you know, uh, Chris did yeah, wear a blue. Does become... he, he does wear a blue top, so he stood out at the back there behind the drums. It does become a very sweaty show. So sweaty, like literally. I mean, obviously, it would like most performers in front of lights and in a live audience, giving it all that, are going to sweat. But my God, do they flick sweat off themselves and seep through their clothes? And it's a good job they have costume changes prepared. Yeah, I will say, having been on stage a lot. Just standing there is enough to get you really hot mm. and sweaty from just all the lights and all the people See, on stage. We were talking but... about this beforehand about how this is my concern when I watch live shows and even professional wrestling now is like, oh, they must be hot under those lights. They need a water. Yeah. Bottle. I mean, then, you know, stack on the pressure of having to sing and play an instrument and dance about all over the stage. It's it's a wonder they're still standing. Like like David Byrne must have lungs of steel to be able to be doing cardio stuff and singing. It's no wonder he's fucking thin. I mean, they're all in good shape more or less, and it's just like you'd fucking have to be if you're doing that every fucking night. Jesus Christ! And like the first, th- they work they work quite the sweat up by the end of the first third. And you're like, there's still to like an hour left of this. Are you mad? <laughs> I, I will say, I think the best thing about the whole film is how it all like comes together and you get you get you get the show, you get him being crazy, but it, it also sounds really good. Mm. If you know what I mean? If you if you watch concerts where they have like like a pop concert, like you get someone like Britney Spears and they all have dancers and they're dancing and they've got that little microphone that kind of hangs down next to their mouth. 
and because they're dancing, it sounds awful when oh. you're singing because you just you just can't jiggle about and <laughs> sing perfectly at the same time. Well, but, two two know. two things. I don't know that Britney Spears can sing uh, perfectly, <laughs> and two, <laughs> she probably she probably mimes a lot of the time, so it probably should be good. <laughs> So yeah, like uh, I was surprised how crisp everything sounded, despite like the energy and the movement on the stage. I think as I, well. I think like it's only half read trivia, but they did uh, pioneer a new kind of digital sound recording thing. There was definitely some new breakthrough that they pioneered recording yeah, the concert. So I, I read that, but I didn't know what it meant. So no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, kudos. Like it didn't. That's that is that is a very valid point though that people just sound out of breath and fucked and even mm. even if you're recording it properly the discipline the band have to never really sound like hang on guys I'll just <laughs> give us a sec like they definitely look like tired and they have breaks and not breaks but we have cuts where there could have been like uh, longer gaps especially with the technical aspect of filming it but um it's one hell of a fucking marathon isn't it of a, of a concert. It is. And there was one point when he just does laps around the stage. Yeah, fucking prick. Just watching him going, what are you doing? You're going to die. I know, I know. Because we basically, <laughs> like, the first, like, we basically do four songs and the talking heads as we know them are there. Like, the, the they, they also swap instruments from time to time. Like, uh, the bassist occasionally plays a tiny keyboard that she has to crouch or, like, mm-hmm. lean over to play and do some synth. And, like, the I don't know, the guitarist switches and plays keyboard occasionally. And then they're also joined by... Uh, there's two female black uh, backing singers and dancers. And then I think the first guy that comes out and joins them is like a, uh, a percussionist who does the bongos. And he's properly thrilled. He's he's fucking pumped. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's having the right time. And he is, com- he the guy, is he the guy that then becomes David Byrne's hype man later in the show? Yeah. Or was that a... Well, there's two there's two forms of hype. I would say one of them was mental. Like I, I there is a I think um, was it was it in uh, actually not sure. I'm not I'm not good with names. I'm not even the the actual band. So I'm not going to try and half remember half guess the fucking names of everyone. But yeah, the the guy who does he does the bongos for the song, and then he kind of they've wheeled out a whole fucking array of percussion instruments next to the already sitting there drum kit that's being played by. Uh, Chris France, and so he is just fucking kicking ass all over every percussion instrument, and he's properly pumped up. And then we also have like a probably you should you're on the last few years of having that hair um, guitarist comes out, and it, like <laughs> and it's like oh you got an afro, but maybe next year you won't be having that afro. But he's like uh, he's pretty good as well. Like he's rocking out on. Uh, Guitar mostly, and I, I remember they, a lot of people switch about what they play, and I think there's also a second keyboard player uh, on the like left side of the stage. Uh, so we got like basically two fucking keyboard players plus uh, like the small keyboard synth thing, two drum setups, and a bongos, and then we got like I don't know fucking the countless guitars get switched around and whatnot. So and backing singers, so it's like it becomes like a big old performance. And they're all fucking having a time of their, the time of their lives, and they're literally dancing about. And you're going, God, they must be getting tired. They're jogging on the spot. Oh, David Byrne, and he's like, he starts doing laps, and you're like, 
what the fuck is he doing? He's going to have a heart attack. I don't care how in shape you are. And he's, like, doing laps just for the fucking shits and giggles. And then he comes running through, like, the middle. And it's just... They're all just jogging constantly in this fucking show. It's mental. Baffling. So we all sort of knackered at this stage. Even 30 minutes in, we're all like, fucking, I'm tired. Yeah, it was... um... The the first song they did when uh, all of them were on was Burning Down the House. Yeah, a really good um, song too, yeah. A yeah. Tom Jones classic. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't not immediately think of his version of it. But my favourite performance of the whole thing, um, maybe discounting the giant soup bit, was the next song, Life During Wartime, one of like the only songs that I was actually familiar with. And that was the one where he was doing like all the crazy dancing. Yeah. Um, and then they were all like synchronizing dancing as well. Yeah, I like that bit. And that bit for me was like the most uh, paired with oh, this is a song I know, and yeah. um, and all like the theatrics going on. And it was at this point where I was like really into the whole thing. Yeah, a the music's great, and all the tracks have been pretty like uh, enjoyable, even if you don't know them. Uh, mm. And it, it, I love the playfulness. Like, it, it, obviously, they've rehearsed this and know what's going to happen. But the David Byrne dancing with the backing singers, like, and they almost like mock his dance at him occasionally. And <laughs> like, it, it's not they don't do too many of the old right. We're playing back to back cliche, and I'm doing like they don't do full on cliches of uh, stage performance, but they do interact with each other a little bit, and they all are fucking hyped and happy, and it doesn't look like anyone's begrudging being there so um although i i feel like i glossed over at this stage the guitarist comes out oh i fucking hell was his name i can't remember but the the white guitarist guy part of the talking heads and he's in like you know another oh it's a slow is it green not gray i don't know but it's certainly baggy outfit and then he has these horrible like shoes the color of soap and i was just like what <laughs> Oh my god, the 80s have got some fucking crimes under their belt, haven't they? Fucking state of them. State of his shoes. All their outfits, to me, were like, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> all, all the black performers uh, came out and were just in variations on baggy grey jumpers and stuff as well. I was just like, dress up smart. This is a big concert, guys. Come on, everyone. Fuck's sake. <laughs> but, um... My snobbishness aside, uh, where, where were we headed here? Jimmy, were you uh, were you on board with how good it was? Were you like starting to get into it and enjoy it, or were you like, "God, oh, this is tiring. I can't go." No, I like as as someone who doesn't like typically watch concert movies, and uh, you know, uh, the most I'll do now is look at you know old live performances on YouTube of like one or two songs yeah but i'm i'm usually one of those like kind of prefer the studio version people yeah yeah um because i like i like to sit and listen to a whole album and you know you can it's usually very uh not structured what's the word like there's a lot going on when you can produce something in an album and i see i I get the appeal of listening to live versions of things i just it doesn't really work for me well music you don't like you don't usually have to watch music being performed to you can do other things and listen to music you know if you're not yeah and that's um like i was reading stuff about david byrne while this was on so i could like go back and forth i 
one of the things I do like in when I do watch live music and that is evident all the way through this is just seeing people uh, who are very good at playing instruments, who are very proficient and can do it in a I can see what all the fuss that, is like, about now that you see them do yeah, it. Yeah, and all, and also like a lot of the people on stage in this show, um, the bassist is the one that comes to mind. Um, they look like they don't even really have to try. Um, but, like, yeah, mm. but they look so it's, professional, and it looks yeah, like we've done it so many times, it's just a fucking piece of cake. And it, it's, it's yeah. come so fucking easily to me, just yeah. playing. And, it, you know, I'm, I, I've been in bands, but only ever as a singer. Like, I'm not really... Uh, I never learned to play an instrument. So whenever you see someone play a, a guitar or a bass guitar and it looks so easy versus when you actually hold one in your hands and try and do it and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I this think... Is, this is so difficult if you don't know how. And just the, the, the ability to switch as well. So like uh, Tina, the bassist, she just she does do some singing in, in the concert, but she's like playing bass and happily dancing around and she's got some cool fucking crab moves at one point. They were pretty yeah. awesome. And then she just fucking... <laughs> Plays the little hunched over synth keyboard thing, and she's like, at one point, she still has the bass. I was like, I can fucking do whatever I want. Fuck you. And uh, like, it's just like, oh, you're all fucking just multi talented bastards. So <laughs> you start to, <laughs> resentment starts to drip in you amongst just, the sweat. You just start getting upset. Oh, I wish I'd done something with my life. Just fucking look, <laughs> watching stuff and judging it. Um, but I, I would say. I really enjoyed if the if it was just the first thirty minutes and I just watched it on YouTube, fucking a star, and then filmically you're like, okay, this is like the first act, these songs and the build. The, everyone's come out, we know who the who is going to be performing, and they've set the tone and it's wacky and fun and enjoyable and raucous and uh, groovy and all those cool words, and then we get like a we get like a fade to black, or whatever. I don't know if it's like a different night or. They just, I mean, they have sections, I guess, where things there's either costume changes or persona changes and little just breakers. But it's very quick and it's back on with the main lights. And no, it's not the main lights. Is it? It's like there's three. The whole set's been assembled. There's three monit, not monitors, like screens, I guess, with mm. w- w- red and they got words coming up. Is that the right bit? Yes. And it's just ran- It's seemingly like chosen, but random words like, you know, fucking bicycle abortion tent or you know like <laughs> men shoe fist i don't know like there's literally i, I can't do even remember any of the specific ones i think time clock was on then i was like what the fuck is a time clock all these other <laughs> like all these other random words i'm like oh it's poetic and random but like time clock is that a thing i remember the word drugs came up oh controversial I'm, uh, I'm sure it did <laughs> <laughs> Drugs definitely. I'm came sure up. they generally, yeah. I'm sure they generally came up a lot in the film <laughs> making of this. It was cool though. Like um, one of the other songs I'd heard by the Talking Heads that wasn't in this was like some weird, uh, the David, like I guess Talking Heads had, or David Byrne had put together a song version of a Dadaist uh, poem, and it's like just it's just gibberish talk, and it's like a really cool song, and it's like a really weird poem by the the Dadaists who are like a just kind of 1930s collective of random punk, almost like like punk rock artists, but before punk rock was a thing. Like it was, I love the Dardarists anyway, and and David oh. Byrne had taken influence, and there was this vibe of like 
yeah, art is about random and absurd and being silly on purpose and not caring about literally not making sense can be art and they started to get the kind of slightly pretentious vibes then once the words are coming up it's like oh man poetry far out like what are we trying to say and it like you know the, what does the selection of the words mean but at the same time it seems deliberately nonsensical and then David Burns comes out looking like a car salesman and does some of the more menacing songs. I don't know. Was it menacing? Not really. I don't know. Anyway, what would oh, you the... say? Yeah, I know what you mean. Because they had that kind of low lighting. Yeah. Um, and like the, the kind of like harsh light on their faces kind of bit. Um, I suppose you could call that slightly more menacing. Well, not not so much the stuff where they've got... The, they're like underlit. But like when he's literally... His, his hair's all gel back... And he's got a different shade of grey suit on. And they, mm. they play a couple of songs that are a little bit weirder, less kind of poppy and more... I don't know, you sort of pick and choose which ones you like. But I found it a little more uh, mellow and sinister. I don't know. And then, But then yeah, they do switch. And then he's kind of his hair is less gelled up and sort of is back to normal. And they're, they're low-lit and they're kind of... I think there's even a bit where some, one of the tech comes on and he's sort of... Shining the light and creating silhouettes of all the band as well. They, they, that was quite effective. Uh, Jamie, what do you remember of this bit where, like, after the kind of the initial introduction to everyone in the set? A lot of this because I don't know into like much of Talking Heads outside of you know a handful of songs. A lot of this did kind of run together for me because I yeah. couldn't. Mm-hmm. Like whenever you don't know a band or an artist and you just know their sound, it's that thing of like all of these kind of sound the same because I, because I don't have the experience or knowledge of them yet to be able to tell, uh, yeah, to tell them apart. Um, but a lot of it was just like picking up on the various like beats, and I it made me it made me realize. One of the things about 80s, like, pop and new wave type music in particular, is how prominent the rhythm section is. Yeah, Like, drums and bass always seem to be at the forefront with a lot of, like, like this, uh, this type of music, as opposed to, like, you know, like, metal in the 80s, where it was almost always the singer and the lead guitarist who were, like, the most prominent parts of the band. Yeah, I mean, from a musical standpoint, rhythm and bass uh, is so key to the grooviness. I guess I don't know. I'm not, it's not a technical term, but it's such a it's a it's the thing that you know. It's literally the backbone of any song. It's the it's the it's the the thing that always needs to be there for everything else to work yes, around. It's isn't it? One of the things that always annoys me is people making jokes about drummers and bassists because they are <laughs> potentially the most important parts of the band. Yeah, and it, and it, yeah. I mean, the '80s was full of this. We've just discovered keyboards can make noises that don't sound like pianos, and synth is, is yeah. coming in. And oh, so, we should, yeah. the fucking synth in this show. Some of it is just fucking like it's it's very '80s, but at the same time, it's just the fucking chef's kiss of synth. I know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a really good moment where it gets when it when songs build to crescendos or get really weird and like I like when they they kind of lose themselves. Like lots of their songs build 
and they all get weird and like and then there's just there, I remember one bit where like uh, Tina the bassist was just fucking rocking out the simps really good and it's like <laughs> why this is like this is why people are this cool are they I mean they got a lot of black yeah. black friends but how did they get so groovy and cool and awesome this is amazing they did, <laughs> yeah there is a lot of channeling of like um, almost kind of gospel style yeah especially towards the end I think they do like a song about going to a fucking river that went on. A shade long. Oh, yeah, yeah. Al yeah. uh, Green song. Yeah. yeah, and it's. Um, I looked when it, one of the things I looked up was like a list of uh, albums that Burn made uh, in an interview with some I don't remember who it was Pitchfork maybe or someone like that of like albums that influenced him, and there was a lot of like uh, older like funk stuff there was a parliament album on there like and you can really hear it in the latter part of this show you could tell he's a uh, you could tell that they're, they're uh, music geeks can't you you can see that they're not yeah. just they're not just like uh experimental dickheads who've surfed on a wave of what's in vogue these are people who yeah. fucking care about music and have made deliberate decisions to do what they do and are very much like musicians and artists, and are not fucking around. Even though the whole concert is them fucking around, it's kind of crazy. I will say though, before I forget, at some point there is like a fucking speaking of synth. There is like a synth fake theremin sound in one of the songs. Oh yeah, I was trying to work out who and was playing it, and sometimes there's like continuity things. I'm like, I don't think the fucking sound always matches up here, guys. Yeah, that's actually a. Uh, I, I saw that on IMDb. There are, and I, I noticed it watching it. Yeah, there's a couple of times where the sound doesn't sync up. Um, but I, if I, if I could redo my wedding, I would change. I'd the marry someone song else. Oh no! To Sorry. just to just be someone playing, playing a, a fake theremin on a synth keyboard, like a kind of. <laughs> Yeah, what a fun, what a fantastically shit, brilliant uh, voice it is. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I don't know. It's a weird. I mean, yeah, no one had one out, but it was part of the like noise going throughout. Not throughout, but it, it, it was used. Wasn't I think it, it was just. A, yeah, I think it was just a, like a keyboard setting. Yeah, that's cool. What I what I liked is it. What what I liked about the whole gig is it kind of just. The atmosphere would change, and the songs would change, and it it it, it flowed, but it just tone would shift, and it would be like, oh, we're going this direction now, we're going that direction, this one, like, and they would they would mix up how it was shown, and like, I mean, obviously, it was shot really well because when they, I think part of the reason they filmed it from on cross multiple nights is so you don't the the stage isn't filled with cameramen that you keep seeing, like you do see cameramen, yeah. but they had that like we shoot it from this side. Then we shoot it from that side, and it meant that it felt more filmic that way. It didn't feel like front on because it's one time we're gonna just watch it. So it, it, it like, and the editing was was used really well to sort of make it intimate. So you see each of the members for a bit, and we we it was just like discreetly enough edited so that it all flowed and didn't distract you and make you feel like uh, you weren't experiencing it live. And it, I just thought it was really effectively shot and directed to make such a convincing attempt at being artful with a concert, you know? Uh, 
did what so we basically had uh, a section where David Bird briefly is all kempt and tidy and then unkempt and then under they're sort of underlit for a while. What was the sort of there was a bit where David Byrne had gone and it was time to do there was like the the background uh, pictures changed and it was like we had fucking kids drawings or some shit as a messy drawings. And then uh they sort of like um Tina was singing more, and for yeah, some... she has... Yeah, go on. I was just going to say, yeah, she has a, a song in it, so he can go off and do a costume change. And have towels to dry him off yes. forever. But it, I found that, like, I liked the song, more or less, but there was a bit where I was like, oh, everyone's having fun without David, that's good, we're doing a different type of song... Like again, another change of pace, change of atmosphere, and they were having a good time, and I was having a good time. And I was like, "What is the drummer doing? <laughs> he is being the hype man, and he is oh, like, yeah, yeah, James Brown. <laughs> He's just shouting shit out in a weird <laughs> voice, and it was like, that's it. You could. He was like yeah. the shittest uh, disco <laughs> DJ in the world, like just like a kids disco fucking yeah." On the good foot! <laughs> like, I don't know what he was doing. It reminded me of uh, uh, that Eddie Murphy bit about James Brown and how his, like, backing band don't know what the fuck he's saying. And he keeps, like, he keeps shouting stuff at them. Yeah. But it's just, like, gibberish. And they just keep going, yeah, in the background. Yeah, it was so, odd. Like... And he, he, had a lot of, he had a lot of vocals. It's like, oh, okay. I mean... Sure, you're not. A, it, it, it's. I mean, it's not out of nowhere. You've. It's been a pretty weird gig, but sure, sure. It means a choice. <laughs> oh, and then he sort of said, "All right, now back to talking head stuff uh, again." It's like, yeah, I'm. Yeah, good. Where's David? Oh, here he is. <laughs> uh, I like how, uh, like, the like the is it Chris Franz the drummer. Yes, um, like he's he's a good drummer, but I also do appreciate how kind of lame and out of place he is with everyone else. <laughs> like with his like semi-sensible mullet and his polo shirt tucked into his jeans. <laughs> it's like you you are not like one of these things is not like the others. Yeah, because he because even the like uh, I think I think Jerry something Jerry Harrison or something is the. Uh... Uh, guitarist and keyboard player or whatever and he has kind of got that 80s I could be in a different keyboard synth band like Flock of Seagulls or uh, I don't know New Order or something he's got a kind of nerdy vibe to him I mean his shoes are a disaster but you know and there's nothing like nothing says he does like the Chris looks like he could be doing plastering later on I mean, yeah. like t- Tina looks like she's in a cool band, but also as a geography teacher. But but Chris is like, oh, do you need me to put a shelf up? Sure. I feel like there's always that person in a band, like a, a band. You know, most bands have like a look hmm. and an image, and there's almost always one person in the band who just isn't. <laughs> like they're just like they're dressed more sensibly than the rest of them. They're not yeah. quite as invested in the actual like character of the band. Yeah, and all all of the all of the like I guess they were special guests or like I don't know what the usual setup is, but uh, like uh, the backing singers and the extra people. I don't know if they toured with them. They obviously did tour this tour, but like 
Uh, th- I mean, they were all really cool and into it, and had a had a kind of naive enjoyment. They were like they weren't the like most like we're too fucking cool for this guys. They were like also like dorky band people. And were were clearly like doing a good job of selling how fun it was and and making it feel like a proper like celebration of everything and you know, but yeah they they everyone was kind of cool one way or the other but but not you Chris, <laughs> we, not you but I mean, no he's 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 cool but in his own special way it it reminded me of um uh, speaking of of Pearl Jam the music video for uh, the song Jeremy there's a there's a moment in that video which is a really like like the video was a big deal because it did a lot uh for the time in the early 90s like but there's a there is a point where like different members of the band in the background are seen like i get it like sort of flailing around in like a like a fury or anger and there's one shot, and I don't know who it is. Like, I don't know which band member it is, because he's got long hair and it covers his face. Um, but he's doing this, like, jump and, like, trying to look aggressive. But he's wearing a denim shirt tucked into trousers. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what the drummer here reminded me of. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to spend too much time obsessing over him. But uh, we fucking clocked you, Chris. We clocked you. You're the dog. <laughs> You're the dog in the house of uh, Talking Heads. There, um, is he, or is he actually the one who isn't? Maybe, maybe that. Yeah, <laughs> stands out because he's not a nerd like the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, uh, let's move on before we do. Before we highlight how ignorant we are of the music. <laughs> uh, yeah. So David comes back, and what's he wearing, guys? Bloody car, did he? What's he like a big baggy fat man? It's the combination of coming in in the giant suit and bobbing his head like some kind of turkey. Like a duck trying to eat bread in a lake. (laughs) With this giant Adam's apple sticking out. Yeah, Anthony, well, how did you, uh, did you, you know, perk up once the big suit comes out? (laughs) I suppose so. It, it did feel like, because he had to leave the stage at that moment, he's like, oh, upstage me, will you? <laughs> <laughs> I have the world's biggest, baggiest suit, and I'm going to dance inside it. He, he, he's dancing and giving it his usual, like, because he did a lot of, like, weird wobbly-legged and jolts and all of his usual stuff. But then once he's in the big suit, it's like one of those people <laughs> who have those inflatable sumo costumes on. Yeah. So you can't really get a sense of what their body's doing inside it, but it's like, it, it, I don't know. It's because it's yeah. it's not just a big suit. It's because he's got the artificially large hips as well. I was gonna say it actually gets better when he takes the jacket off. Yeah, <laughs> and he, like he has he, like the scaffolding under the suit <laughs> for his trousers. It got really weird when he like he took the jacket off because obviously fucking baking alive, and then he's like, "This is like a red cap he puts on, like a little ball cap." And it's like, what is? Is this just him doing a flash forward to like make America great again? People just fat wasted people with the red hats. Weird, the weird red baseball cap came out of nowhere and then it's gone. Like he wore it for seconds. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there was, might have been like a war well, one on. Oh, I think I read actually that like it was something to do with continuity, where someone had put 
provided the hat, and then they were like, oh, fuck's sake, he put the hat on, now we're going to have to have the hat every night or something. There was something <laughs> to do with a continuity problem of the spontaneity of filming a concert, but... uh yeah, he does. He kind of looks better with the jacket off in a way, doesn't he? This mad, like, arse end of a pantomime horse vibe going on. <laughs> but I, I don't know. Like, uh, the big suit was was epic. Another another bit that was quite good actually is they have a song where they're uh, performing and there's like a lampshade in the in front of them. So it's yeah, like some yeah. like a little standard lamp. And then as the song reaches the crescendo, David Byrne just uh, abandons the mic and starts. I'm gonna say, fall dancing with the with the thing, yeah. toying with the lampshade, but he's like sort of pricking around with it and hugging it and and throwing it and just catching it and just acting a complete tit with it. And I, <laughs> it looked so it, it kind of created a kind of artful like contemporary art vibe. Where it's like, is this now like a performance piece? What the fuck are we seeing? You know? It reminded me. There's a, like there's an old film. Um, either a, a Fred Astaire one or a Gene Kelly one, where they have a scene where they're like they're dancing with a hat stand. Yeah, I think it was, oh. and that reminded me of that uh, that scene. He he clearly done it enough times as well, so that he could he could be very cocky with looking like he might not catch it. Like he mm-hmm. precariously dangled it and threw it, and it was just like you fucking you've dicked around for hours doing this. So actually. The whole vibe of the concert, like the music, the lyrics, his way of being and dancing was all very much like, these are the songs a nine-year-old would come up with and the way a nine-year-old would act and behave while performing them. I think that was actually, in for a lot of um, bands in the 80s, a lot of musicians, a lot of the imagery that they used like the giant suit and then like it was it was contrasting with you know the 80s was the decade of the fucking yuppie you know the wolf of wall street heartless businessman sure. um you know with the the perfect suit a bit like american psycho like the yeah. you know um and a lot of the post punk new wave stuff was kind of maintaining the rebellion of punk, but doing it in a different way. So sort of almost like mocking that, like that old straight lines, overly businessman, just serious, serious bullshit or pretentious crap, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely feels like uh, part of the theme or concept behind some of David Byrne's stuff is mocking the businessman in his suit and tie, you know, like. Well, even the title "Stop Making Sense," I guess there's a there's an element of that to it too, like Ooh. that breaking down of order. <clears throat> Avant-garde lampshade dancing, pretty out there, pretty fun. I enjoyed, and yeah, you know, like you know, that's what we were saying is about how uh, the whole thing "Stop Making Sense." It definitely feels like a. A call to arms to like start playing and enjoying and stop worrying yeah. about taking music seriously and embrace nonsense and fun uh, and randomness and silliness. Yeah, so that I think that was definitely a theme. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've had all kinds of songs. We've had Wales in Wales and Boom Boom Boom, all kinds of nonsense. It's quite fun. Um, what is the? I guess we're at the last part of the sort of concert and it. 
uh, he sort of dispenses... Like, they sing... It gets a bit more gospel, doesn't it? And they, he sort of introduces at the end all the names of the people who we've subsequently forgotten. Oh, it's uh, Steve Scales, the drummer! Fuck yeah, I'm having a great time! And this is... Uh, no, maybe she's great, yay! You know, like, we get everyone and it's like, oh, God, he didn't say his name. How are we going to remember his name? Fuck. And I was da- I was like, what's it going? Should I be writing this down? No, it's okay. Abby will usually make notes and she'll tell us. <laughs> and then she didn't fucking watch it and I'm screwed because I have to half remember everyone. I guess I could look them up. Um, but yeah, we got, we got like, the kind of building to it, like, the kind of bit where you just, like, the songs elongate slightly or the one song did and it's kind of a breather and like, well, the end credits are coming, don't worry, one more song, guys, thing that like a lot of bands do, I guess. And then they basically, uh, like, what was, I mean, we, we got nearly all the greatest hits that we'd heard of, except, I would say, they didn't play Road to Nowhere, that was the one song, I was like, oh, fuck, that was like a really big hit of theirs, mm-hmm. Road to Nowhere. And I felt like it was missing, but I don't know. I'm not all that that wise. I don't know how you put together a set list to make it all work and what you know. But I think I would I would have liked to have heard it. You know, do you guys feel like it was missing? Yeah, because you know it's just one of the few songs that I do know. I was waiting for it and it never never really came, which was a shame. I will say one of the um, one of the things that and I, I maybe this is a genre thing, but like whenever I've been to gigs. There's always, I think, oh, basically every time I've been, there's a drum solo, and there wasn't one here. <laughs> like I said, maybe maybe it's a genre thing. Maybe that's only like a hard rock, heavy metal thing. I think they're very. But, there was a small one. I think we did get a little bit of one. Okay. I uh, does that does his shouting during Tina's song count? I don't think that's his, a solo. Like, that's hype band shit. I think it was his <laughs> time to shine. But I mean, we also had two drummers, like so. That's true. You can't be... It's like the second keyboard solo for the other keyboard player. You know, it's not going to be here all night, isn't it? Well, it was a very... It was a long haul. Like, you do feel like you've sweated. I mean, you know, obviously, if you're thumbing through something on your phone or if you are, you know, allowing yourself to take a break from the action, uh, maybe not. But, like, I did feel like, fucking... I feel... I feel like I've experienced it, not fully like everyone who's there, but... It was nice to see a concert all the way through because often, you know, you watch a bit, like you say on YouTube, of your your favourites and you sort of skip skip ahead. But it was nice just experiencing it. I, I sat there and went, I'm going to fucking not skip around because I, you know, I want to feel what the director wanted to do. I want to see what the talking heads, how they wanted to present themselves and experience it. And I did enjoy, and it felt like the end of a concert at the end where they were sort of getting into the last song and um, it does yeah, a, singing. It does a good job of like capturing the the atmosphere of a live show yeah it does yeah i mean it, it i mean they I mean, they filmed it so they should capture it a bit but yeah no, you're right but like, like totally yeah uh, it like it it captures it but at the same time it doesn't have a lot of the usual like frustrations of watching a filmed live show um yeah but it, it, it was it, sorry towards, towards the end I don't know if anyone else picked up on some fantastic shots of the audience dancing and the sheer number of men in the audience who had the same haircut and uh, moustache that my dad has in uh, old photos of him from the 80s. <laughs> it was a very and it was there, a very whack looking crowd at times, wasn't it? Oh, very very like lots of biggish curly brown hair and moustaches and again 
polo shirts fucking tucked into jeans. Oh. Yeah. Oof. It's the, it, I, everyone thinks of the eighties and they think you know pastel suits and you know they 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 they, they think of Scarface or um, you know if you're our generation Vice City doing Scarface. Yeah. But. No one remembers the polo shirts tucked into jeans. The especially the the jeans that are like a uniform length up and down, completely straight. There's a lot of there's and a that... lot of lot of people in a cop on their day off vibes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's always like a you know the jeans I mean as well. They're that horrible, slightly too bright denim colour. Oh, have a have a turn up, lovely. Your mum won't let you go out with back jeans that baggy. <laughs> Yeah, mm. I mean it's a lovely flavour of the '80s you get from this, and a di- yeah, uh, not the usual, not the more... cliched hack one, but an authentic like '80s. Yeah, it's it it reminds me of uh, some of my earliest memories of a house that we lived in, where it had a really like thick brown carpet, and all the like all the surfaces were all this like horrible mahogany, like it 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 I. Like looking at the crowd, I can kind of feel a VHS machine with an eject button that makes the thing yeah. pop up out the top. Oh yeah, yeah. That you put the tape in. Very evocative. <laughs> yeah, and we. Uh, I think as a as an end to the gig, they kind of bring the people who've been wheeling in boxes all night at instruments and handing people guitars and whatnot. They're all brought. Everyone, like the crew, are brought on, and David Byrne gets you know. Them, they're all kind of shaking hands like they've met for the first time. We're like, hey, we're on stage. And they celebrate the crew. And we even get a few contact. I think we get a shot of maybe the director or maybe some of the camera people as well. As a kind of, we're enjoying, even though we're middle-aged white men. Honestly, we're having fun. <laughs> and um, this, this is a nice, like, goodbye, goodnight feeling. But it, it also has that, like, odd, we're going to keep playing and prolong this. And, like, they're still waiting. Still waiting. You're like, I, yeah, we're still waiting for these fucking credits. What's this? Fucking glad yeah. at each other. I got places to go. No, like, um, I, d- I did enjoy it, but I, I felt like it, the mood as a concert, I like it to finish on a big fucking bang. And I felt like it did a kind of curtain call, you know, not, like a nice ending. But I was like, oh, fucking come on. I mean, now's the time to play. What well, do an encore and do fucking Road to Nowhere? That's what everyone mm. does. They keep that one hit back because they're like, if yeah. the crowd likes us, we're going out again. And, we, and I felt like, even though it was a long concert, and they gave so much and they sweated and enjoyed, and it was really great. And it was like, it was a good ending, but I would have, I, I would have liked that exclamation mark ending instead. But then I think this was a sort of set farewell thing as well. I don't know. Um. Before I uh, forget to bring it up as well, there's a um, there was one point where David Byrne has a guitar as well, and it's um, it was so nice that I actually googled David Byrne guitar stop making sense to like find out what type of guitar it was. It was that really like reddish brown one that he had. I don't I don't know what the song was he was playing. Um, but I think it's uh, I think it's called a Guild synthesizer guitar. True. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to I just wanted to highlight it because it was a very very good looking guitar. Yeah, well, what the band lacks in uh, sweet threads, they make up with uh, in awesome instruments. They did look uh, pretty cool and sounded great. I mean, that's the thing is they fucking sounded amazing all throughout this gig, and even in the moments I'm like, normally this song wouldn't be quite for me. Like, uh, even the song was like, oh fucking. 
like heaven is shit and dull. There was like a song early on that was quite sweet. I was like, well, I wouldn't know if I'd like this, but in this context, I'm all about it. So, I don't know. Instrument-wise, I don't know anything, but they fucking played the shit out of everything. Anyway, say that much. Uh, what about you, Anthony? Any other bits of uh, business you want to bring up? Things you wanted to mention that we may have glossed over? Uh, the only little bit I remember was the performance of Once in a Lifetime and his weird head-slapping bit. Yes, yeah. yeah, go on, any thoughts? Just, it was funny and weird. That's just oh. the only little, one last thing I could remember. Yes, um, so good, though, isn't it? Like, I love, I love, like, I like that that's an established bit of shtick he does. It's not just, he doesn't just perform that song. There's glasses and a look... And yeah. the, the things from the music video, the you have to do the David Burns judgery eccentric like basket case thing. I don't know. Um, sorry, I need to correct myself. It's a Roland G three zero three guitar, not a Guild. Oh, we would, we, would, we wouldn't want Rodies, uh, you know, messaging us and fucking exactly. Someone yeah. will fucking come after <laughs> me if we have like a, an actual like factually wrong thing in there. So yes, it's a Roland G three zero three synth guitar and it's yeah. extremely nice. Yeah, I think uh, the 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 takeaway as well from uh speaking for all of us is we don't fucking know much about David Byrne. We're all a bit more interested, I hope, after this. Uh but yeah, we don't come from we're coming at this as like people looking at films and discussing them and we don't have as much fucking you know, info. I mean, maybe Jamie does after googling everything as he goes. But like, you know, I we actually, don't. We're not coming at this from a historians who know everything about them. We're just reacting to it as a piece of like uh, movie. You know, isn't it? Um, I actually had uh, again completely by coincidence uh, after that um, Saturday Night Live performance had gone and added uh, the. Talking Heads album that it's on Remain in Light sure. from the one from 1980. I had added it on Spotify to go back and listen to it and hadn't, but I will now because of having watched this and you know hmm. had some more experience with it. Yeah, I feel like we the bar is a little too high for watching concerts now as well. <laughs> We're watching. Oh, I might watch. Who who do I really love? And then you're watching them going, yeah, I like this, but they're not entertaining me with a lampshade and doing crab uh, dances. And, well, you know. there were a couple of others that you put forward. That, uh, one of them was the Beastie Boys. I fucking shot that from a few years ago. And that's one that I've always been curious about, because isn't it like a collection of like fan shots? Yeah, the, the, the ba- they gave out shows. loads of camcorders to the fans and just you know said films everything. And then yeah. they edited together that. And then it would have been really lo-fi footage as well, I haven't seen it, but it does sound like a really cool concept and a unique take on how to do it, because that's the thing, you know, you, you have to, you're asking people to reinvent the wheel and uh, in, the, in this case, they I think they did a really fucking I thought it was a really good job of conveying what it's like to see the talking heads and that it made me go, fucking hell, the talking heads are a lot better than I give them credit for like, I just thought, oh, they were one of the many pop-backs of the 80s, but actually, yeah you know, I, I had a newfound respect for them. I, I really enjoyed it and thought it was great. Were you guys similarly enthused? Or were, like, cause it's, I mean, there are times you're like, this doesn't quite work as a film because a film has narrative and structure beyond this. But did you guys get, get on with it? And also, you know, maybe sum it up with a metaphor if you fucking feel like it. Oh, 
Christ. <laughs> Didn't even fucking think of that. I, I I was surprised how into it I was, considering I wasn't yeah. familiar with the music. And the whole thing is really well-paced, and there's a good flow to the whole film. There, there were a couple of moments where, you know, I just I just didn't engage with the songs as much because I didn't know them. Yeah. Uh, but then, the, the, then oh, something always came around to, like, bring your interest back, like some some weird quirk of dance or something going on in the background or something. Yeah, so I, was, all, yeah. I was very, very surprised because I was a little, I was very, I was very sceptical coming in to how much enjoyment I would get out of it, not knowing the band that much. But it surprised me. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. I think they've kept the visuals interesting. They they're building the set, the then changing it up, costume changes. Like, oh, Tina's got into a different shit grey dress now with leggings. Who cares? But like they, but they did do. We're gonna light it differently. We're gonna have the people come on and uh, like we had back projections. We had lighting changes. We had attitude changes, that. atmosphere changes. They really mixed up to keep your interest going, didn't they? I'm curious hmm. to know how much of that Jonathan Demi had to do with, like how much of the actual stage production, because uh, presumably as director, he had a hand in that too. Uh, is, a, uh, yeah. You know, he's he went on to do, like his biggest thing is Silence of the Lambs. Like I think that's what most people know yeah. Jonathan Demi for. And that has a very, it doesn't have a necessarily bold visual style but it has a very unique visual style it doesn't look like a lot of other films um and this there's some of that here in a lot of the um the tones in different you know you're talking about everyone dressed being dressed in gray but he does a lot with surprisingly drab tones which is also something that he does do in silence of the lambs like there are a lot of scenes in that film a very like grey coloured scenes like it's not a colourful film but it does a lot with just different shades and tones of what should be very bland colours yeah. and I wonder if that's where the like crossover was like how he ended up directing this yeah I, get, I mean I think it was a partly a collaborative effort between him and the talking heads and whatever and whatever and obviously the stage show would have influenced what you you know, it would have definitely would have had a, a live performance first as well, without thinking about it from a art we're filming it. So, if, you know, speculatively, I would say one thing that he definitely did was shoot it more seriously than concerts get shot. He just he filmed it and gave it the time and respect movies yeah. get. He like it wasn't just I'm just fucking fil- filming this for a paycheck. This is let's fucking make a piece of like movie out of this. So. I I appreciate him at least taking it seriously or seeming to anyway. Whatever you know, you know whatever there must have been an element of uh, collaboration between everyone involved. So credit to everyone. It's all I wouldn't fucking slag anyone. Even the half slagging I did of Chris, I feel bad about because he fucking sweated his ass <laughs> off entertaining me. He re- oh, fuck, he was sweaty at the end. His who, who his be? polo shirt was drenched. I was I was sweating. The, I think if my metaphor uh, was to be anything, it's like um, kind of going 
to the gym and kind of being like, oh, I don't know, this is, uh, people say, oh, it's not so bad, it'll be great and stuff. And you go, yeah, I know, I need to get healthy, blah, blah, blah. And you go, but you had the perfect fucking playlist and yeah. you just, it it turns out the gym had a dance class on that day and you're like, fuck all weights <laughs> and treadmills. I'm going to a fucking, fucking workout Zumba class. Oh. And you <laughs> and you just get, it's, like the, it's an epic playlist and they're having a big special like day to sell it. Like it's a big get people coming to the gym day, and they go like it's like there's cake and celebrations, and we're going to have a fucking workout, and the playlist is great. And you're like, fuck yeah, I'm going to come back next week, and then you know maybe next week your calves tell you fuck right off, I'm not coming. But at the <laughs> time you're like, this is fucking epic. I didn't know the the gym. Did they? I didn't know they gave out blowjobs at the gym. Was <laughs> it like <laughs> it was very much like knackering and exhilarating and fun and silly and so it's like a big party at the gym that's what i'm saying more often than not i listen to podcasts in the gym because i'm a freak i'm serious and i like hearing about serial killers or something <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you do you uh do you go serious with the with your workouts or do you have a kind of light-hearted farting on farting on about fucking films or music what do you what is your like <laughs> let's talk about the simpsons and make fun of stuff or is it in 1986, the serial killer Benjamin. No, <laughs> I, don't, I only listen. The only serial killer podcast I listen to is last podcast on the left, which is not serious. Well, I can um, I can recommend All Killer No Filler if you like murders, where two comedians just they both just chat shit to each other, and the, they're both the great. The problem is most of the podcasts I listen to are comedy podcasts, whatever the topic is. So sometimes it is risky. Going well, to the gym, listening to those, because there is a chance that you will like be bench pressing and laugh and kill yourself. You shit yourself <laughs> and offend someone who's working off, <laughs> out across the room. Yeah, crush my, my own head because I laughed while I was lifting something. That's a, a safety tip there. Yeah. Maybe stick to music. Um, but yeah, anyway, go on. Metaphor time. Boom, go. Okay, my my metaphor is it's like. I'm I'm not someone who listens to best ofs. Like I tend to just listen to albums, but sometimes I will pick a best of playlist if I don't know a band, just as like an introductory thing. Hmm. Um, and it kind of feels like this—that's what this is. It being a concert film that's very well done. It kind of does some of the work of a best of better than an actual best of compilation because it gives you a little bit more of like the actual energy. Yeah, it's it's almost like so make it sound like you've been taken along to a concert that you weren't that interested in, but actually, you know, you might you know get into the band now. Like I don't know if I'm serious about the relationship with this person who's brought me, but fuck it, I can't <laughs> like this, I'll get into their music instead. Yeah, like. I didn't give much of a shit about like Eagles of Death Metal until I went and saw them live, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, so it's uh, you're saying basically though, it's like a little bit more than a introduction. It's uh, something it gets you got got the ball rolling for you. It's uh... yeah, you like best ofs usually are just you know they're a bit flat because they're just a list of songs, but this is one of the ones where like they've actually put some thought into like how it flows and why they've put those particular songs on there to you know, introduce you to the band. But once you're into the band, don't ever fucking listen to the best of again. Listen to the fucking albums, you philistine. 
Are you having to go with me or anyone? Or like... oh. <laughs> People listen to best of. Listen to the album. Well, we, all f- we all started this saying we only really heard the single, so I don't know who you're, <laughs> you're criticising. I know, I'm a hypocrite. Do as I say, not as I do. Oh, good. Uh, anyway, yourself, Anthony. Yeah, I got nothing. It's good. Did you did you in, did you enjoy it or was it bad? No, it was it was really good. Like I said, I was surprised how how much I enjoyed it, not being familiar with a lot of it. Yeah, that's fair. It's I mean, from now on, we're just going to be a concert movie podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Next week, tenacious D, and then no, actually, I should have picked a band that would be bored. Would be more. Would be the most tedious band. It's forty hours of Pink Floyd or Yes or who's even more tedious? Is there a uh, Simon and Garfunkel, the best of tedious folk music that does your head in? Someone, no, someone, one of those fucking wanky guitar virtuosos who just do fucking solos and nothing else. Steve Vai or someone like that. Yeah, actually, Britney Spears, she came up. That'd be a fun one, wouldn't it? There's that weird Jay-Z and Beyonce doing a concert together. Sounds absolutely atrocious, where these just billionaire, like, billionaire icons who are married perform for you, but it's 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 only like the worst idea ever. Husband and wife performing live together, but they're both insane, different, loud, brash... And also, one of them cheated on the other one, and is now going to pay for it by going on this tour. <laughs> I gotta keep my eye on you, kind of vibes. But I don't know. Anyway, we're not going to do any more concert bands unless we someone else picks one. Or actually, not going to make any promises. No, we'll be back to more traditional movies next time. Who knows if another uh, concert one will come up? But uh, yeah, be back to the uh... the familiar territory of shit eighties and nineties films. Before, you know, <laughs> next next time. I'll in, I'll in... I'll inflict a, a sun concert on us and see if we can talk about a concert that's like 40 minutes of guitar droning from guys in, in druid outfits with a smoke <laughs> machine. Uh, oh, I, I I forgot to watch the film this week, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I, I hoovered the living room and it was essentially the same experience. <laughs> Good. We will bid you adieu. As the Talking Heads play out with their hit song, I, not, not, it's not the radio. We're just going to say goodbye, and the podcast will be over. Goodbye. Bye. You Boom. may find yourself finishing a podcast. Wow, that was poor by your standards. I, know. <laughs> I mean, even even by your standards, <laughs> that was shit. Like. as well. Jesus Christ. Oof. Boom, boom, boom. Fucking goodbye. We're still waiting. Please fucking finish. (laughs) Anyway, bye.